Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. We are back talking all things. I'm your host here. You're Cena Nerd here, Sarah Belmont. I did not write a good intro text for myself, but that's okay because I know who I need to introduce. I need to first start off with my friend, my buddy, my pal, Mr. Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing well, Sarah. How are you? I, I'm really pissed off with myself. Like, I knew, so sometimes I put out the bullet points, mm-hmm. and then I use that to help write the intro. Yeah. And for some reason, I just completely blanked, probably because I'm going to get on a plane tomorrow morning, Um, so my head's elsewhere, but, but yeah, I'm doing all right. Doing That's all right. good. That's good. Well, we are actually, you are too far off. We are in the MCU. It's just on... True. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, we're going to be talking about the Netflix MCU or whatever. Like, that's the thing. I don't know what to refer to this as because um, you have the MCU and then you have the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what people are generally referring to the Marvel shows on Netflix. The Marvel shows on Netflix. Um, you don't have to be a smart aleck about it. Well, maybe our guest can tell us. We have our favorite reoccurring guest. She's back. She's pumped to talk about all things The Punisher. Patricia, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. I'm so ready to talk about all of this. It's like, I'm there. I'm here. I'm happy. Yeah. We're gonna turn. We're going to turn the reins over to you then. <laughs> we, we, we've completely off. We've completely off track. <laughs> I just, I just have to say, like, out of the three of us, I would have never suspected that Patricia would have been the most excited to talk about the Punisher. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> All right, let's let's just get into it. Um, we're going to be spoiling a lot of stuff, so if you haven't seen the series, then you might want to turn it off now because um, we're going to go beginning, middle, and end and give our thoughts about everything. But, Patricia, why does season one of The Punisher work so much for you? I like to think I'm kind of a realist when it comes to violence. And, you know, if you're watching a gory movie... I don't like fake stuff. I don't like too scary. I like it real. And that's what I love about The Punisher is that they did it in such a real way. And you get a little glimpse into what special forces or military folks have to deal with overseas. Like what causes them to have PTSD. It's seeing someone's head getting blown off and they don't try to... I like this show because they don't try to censor any of the the real raw goriness of what it would actually be like Hmm. and i I think that's really what gets to me and i mean i love the storyline i love frank castle i love his walk i love (laughs) (laughs) i i mean i just what are you laughing at will you don't know what's behind that joke (laughs) It's just the way she delivered it. It's just like, yeah, just the, the passion there. Yeah. But I think Netflix and the writers and the producers, everybody involved, the actors and actresses, they did such a beautiful job at portraying this story in such 
a delicate but raw and beautiful way to where it doesn't discredit or dishonor anybody that has been in the armed forces or is dealing with any sort of trauma that they that could be related to anything topically wise for this show and they they present it in such a different manner for every different actor and character in the story they have their own different level of trauma and different type of PTSD and it unfolds in a beautiful way yeah, um, this is very similar to um, what spoke to me so much about Jessica Jones season one, where beyond just being another show about a comic book character, um, they're tapping into a lot of social issues that are current in present day um, and really bringing it to life under this lens of the comic book genre genre. And I, I do agree that in regards to the PTSD and the emotional trauma that a lot of our soldiers go through, especially when they are constantly coming home and then returning to the war and and balancing that um, and the struggle that exists, especially when they decide to stay home for good or when their services are no longer needed and they have to stay home for good. Um, what do you do? Um, you're, the world you've grown to know is um, on the other side of the planet. So how do you how do you exist and be in the present and be in the now? And I thought that was all beautiful. I will disagree, though that about the violence because i think that at times the it did get a bit cheesy for me uh <laughs> there's there's a part in probably my favorite episode episode 10 where frank is in the hallway and to to work around um anvil he he ends up they're three people are firing on him. You know the scene I'm talking about, and he yeah. does a somersault to pick up a body as a shield, and it just those kind of things bothered me. I understood that because they want to retain that realism, you can't have a lot of the um, the, the daredevil tricks up your sleeve. Um, so so to me, anytime it it was interesting because anytime it got into that real comic, those real comic book elements, I'm just like, this is not this show, um, which is the reverse of a lot of um, my issues with Daredevil seasons one and season two is that anytime they would go beyond um, outside of the comic book elements, I'd be like, this is not the show. The show is comic book. So it was, <laughs> it's interesting um, when I look at the two in comparison. Yeah. What's funny about that scene that you're talking about where he did a somersault. Yeah. One of the things that they teach people is if you are smaller than someone and you have to get them on your back, they teach you to somersault like that to be able to pick them up. Did not know that. <laughs> Suddenly I'm yeah. okay with it. But okay, something my dad, so I watched this show with my dad. Um, we binged it in about a week. And um, he really liked it to, because of a lot of the elements that you brought up. But he did point out the same thing to me. He He's like, why does Frank always get shot in the same arm? Like he always gets shot in the same arm, um, which which makes you question 
Um, is he superhuman or is he just um, a badass? I don't know because, and also Anvil is like the worst. Whoever, why did they keep hiring Anvil to do any protection? Because whenever they went to protect somebody, they would always lose and it would be, they would lose more people. I don't know. It's just, it stuck out. Yeah. Yeah. One of, yeah. One of the things, as far as just talking about the, the raw balance, sometimes it, to me, and, and I will I will freely admit, uh, of the shows that we've talked about recently, this is I liked it, but um, but like you, with with how Sarah, you just kind of just washed your hands of Ozark. Um, I didn't quite wash my hands of The Punisher, but you know, but at the same time, I I had to find myself a reason to, you know, come back to this show. And, right. and for me, part of it was where it, uh, I totally get, I appreciate the points you made about the PTSD and everything, but it reached a point where I just felt like the, the it was just gratuitous at, at levels at some point. And I mean, I know the Punisher in and of itself, I mean, being a vigilante and all that, uh, that's just part of his, his MO. But you know, it just it just really like after after a while, I was just like, I don't know if I got desensitized to it or it was just um, I just it was just kind of off putting. <laughs> and I was just like, it, it it began for me. It began to take away from the story. Uh, they could have told they could have done this show without all the. It's like we're gonna do it for for doing its sake. And somehow sometimes how I felt certain scenes were shot. Interesting. The the only time when I thought I I think it got excessive was Will. I don't think you've made it to this episode yet, but when go ahead, yeah. When yeah, when Frank and um, Billy are in mm-hmm. their little bunker thing, and mm-hmm. like he's getting the crap beat out of them, and they keep showing him blacking out and seeing Maria and these little images, he bled so much in that scene it's like how did he not just pass out from that was just the iceberg the tip of the iceberg because that scene once rollins gets involved that goes yeah. to the point where i would agree with will where even watching that transpire and then at the point where frank works his way out of um, the chair with Billy's help and he takes over. That's where I'm just like, okay, I don't need to see this whole thing play out <laughs> because yeah. it's a bit much yeah. like the, oh God. <laughs> like, yeah. Was, no, when he's like gouging out the guy's eyes at the end, I was like, that's the only part where like that episode is the only episode where I was like, yeah, this kind of went too far. But yeah, everything definitely. else was like fine. <laughs> yeah, that would be that's that image is um is straight from Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones always gets um some remarks about um about that shock value of um a lot of sex and a lot of violence on screen and towards the end there I definitely felt where they were they were getting to that point. Um for some reason I didn't get it early on. I thought that this show was surprisingly slow. I, I expected a lot more action. 
And that first episode was hard for me to get through initially because it just, it was set up. It was like, this is Frank. Um, meet Frank. I've already met him, but for viewers like Will and other viewers who haven't seen Daredevil season two, I felt like that first episode was a really um, isolated showing of Frank, where he is, um, what grief and what trauma is he experiencing, and just the day in the life that ended up ending with um, his introduction to Micro, and that's really where this show picks up and things start to happen, but in talking about the show, I always was, I always pushed people to get past those first few episodes because I, I myself found them to be set up and I could have done without them and the show would have been fine. But I don't know if you guys felt like the um, pacing was a little off. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's part of it for me. I mean, even though I, I haven't seen Daredevil season two, I've, again, I'm, if you're going to tune into the Punisher, chance you know there's a good chance that you are somewhat familiar with the uh, with Frank Castle from from the comic book, and I was you know from uh, reading um, you know, when he did guest appearances in, in various books I used to collect, and um, and so I was already familiar with the story, and I was just hoping they would just jump right into it, and and those first two episodes, I think that's it kind of. For me, it, it started out the gate so slow that I just it was I, it was hard for me to really you know get into the series from from the outset, and then it just kind of just went um, it went downhill for me from there. <laughs> it did. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So okay, I mentioned micro. Micro was a surprise for me. I didn't know how much I would end up really appreciating his character. Um, Patricia, what are your thoughts about micro and his, and what they did between both him and his relationship with his family and drawing that parallel to with Frank's grief about his family? Well, I really grew to like micro Mm -hmm. and I don't, it's funny how, his nickname, Micro, it makes sense. But I always want to just call him David. Like, whenever <laughs> I'm talking about this show, like, I just want to call him David because I don't think... I, I don't know why. I don't think he he needs a cover name or whatever. But right. anyway. Right. Right. But his, his relationship with Frank cracked me up because... It was both comedic, but it was honest, and you could tell that, you know, like in the beginning when Frank first gets in, I I knew instinctively that I was like, yeah, Frank's in the trunk, and he's just, just going to pop out, and there he is, and, um, you know, he tied him up, and then he played this whole little game about, you know, the place blowing up with the computers, and then he drugged Frank and it was just sort of this nice little back and forth at the beginning where he was like, yeah, you may not think that you need me, but I'm just pulling your leg throughout all this and I could destroy you right now. I could tell the entire world that you're here and people would come kill you. Mm-hmm. And so he short, sort of showed this little upper hand that he had as a nerd and I loved it. And he it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
Because, you know, nerds are always bullied in school, and they always have, like, I'm the smarter, you know, I'm taking the high road, and this time, against this brute of a man, this guy, Micro, is like, yeah, do your worst, whatever, mm-hmm. and he just sort of shows Frank that he's more of a threat and is more on his level than what Frank originally thought. Yeah. And then, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. I was I was just going to um, add on to um, everything you were just talking about in terms of their relationship, because initially that's what I thought this was going to be. And I thought I was going to get annoyed with it because we've all seen that that coupling of the jock and the nerd and how they they build a bond. But what surprised me was that that bond was so multilayered and three dimensional and you you saw them um really really try to um i'm trying not to say um a lot right now but you you saw both of these men um at their weakest Mm -hmm. and their shame and guilt over that because they're supposed to provide and protect for their um their families but in doing so they also ended up ultimately isolating themselves from their families and that causes an extra layer of guilt. And so I really like that comparison because I I don't think you can ever have a show where it's just about Frank Castle and he doesn't have somebody he can bounce off of. And they, the writers in, in terms of the Punisher season one took it once the next level because you already had that similar contrast in Daredevil season two between Matt and Frank. But that was more in terms of who they are as vigilantes and not necessarily who they are as men. And in this show, you you did. Yes, his his cover name was Micro, but he was also David and he was more of a husband and a father that Frank could relate to on a different level than he could relate to with with Matt Murdock, who doesn't have a family and doesn't have children. In fact, arguably, and we're going to talk about this for sure later on. Frank's going after Karen and Karen and Matt are thing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. That's, that's a little, thing. yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a little problem there, but I'm sure it'll work we'll out. We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just, I really appreciated how they were, they allowed that bond to add some humor, some lightness, and then also just juxtapose Frank dealing with his own grief and his own guilt over his involvement with the um, with his family's murders with Micro trying to do a similar thing and resulting in him having to abandon his family and watching that play out and and also frank is surprisingly good with kids surprisingly good yeah no i (laughs) well yeah well i mean i guess i mean he did have his own you know his own family and so you know maybe this was a it's a way of him dealing with you know his grief of losing his own that you know 
he he could at least be that you know father you know figure like when he basically scared scared straight uh you know micro son uh even though it was some, really some tough love but um but at the same time I, you know i think you know have a you know frank haven't been a father and you know missing that element of his life i mean maybe that's just one way he could just kind of feel human you know despite being this badass vigilante right yeah i love the fact that you brought up that frank like because i remember having conversations in previous like when we were talking about daredevil and when we found out that, that, that they were coming out with a punisher standalone series i remember having the conversation on what are they going to do with it where are they going to go with it and how is it just going to be frank running around killing a bunch of bad guys no they they did so much more with it and i think that's that's one reason why I was so impressed with this show was because they could have done it and it could have flopped real hard, but it didn't. Not for yeah. me anyway. Like they took it in such a, a beautiful direction about something real and they didn't just make it comic booky. They made it relatable to real world things and I love that Netflix and Marvel are working together to do stuff like that so I just wanted to throw that in there um, no I, yeah. I I agree I think yeah. I mean I, I know Will at the beginning of the show you mentioned they're just doing the violence and the gore um, for the sake and there are times when it does feel that way at the same time the Netflix platform gives Marvel such a great opportunity to really bring to life these stories yeah. that would be would be filtered and distilled and not appropriately represent what was originally written and what was origi- originally shared. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, yeah. you know, and, and, I, and I guess that was sort of my point is that. Uh, and to your point, Patricia, I mean, this, I mean, there are, there's some real depth in this, in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, and, and to your point, Sarah, I mean, because of the fact that it is on a platform like Netflix that, you know, will allow for it to really build, a, a you know, a, a deeper story than what you could do in a feature film or even conventional network television. Uh, right. you know, they, they are free to take those risks and, um, you know, and, and given it has the backing of Marvel Studios, um, you know they can they can explore these things. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you know, I you know for so from the storytelling standpoint and the depth of Frank and these issues that you know as he was going through the series, I you know th- they were I I, I I did enjoy that. It was just I just felt and like I said, it's just it's just me personally. The, the violent aspect of it just kind of diluted the, the the fuller impact that the story that the story had for, for me. And after and after a while, it was just sort of like, okay, here we go again, a bunch of gunfire, bang bang, and you know, splatters here and there. And I'm just like, okay, you take it just took away from from the the, the other parts of it for, for me. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Um, so let's let's get into some of those other parts. So because 
we're we're not only shown Frank going through this, but we're also shown a lot of different variations of soldiers coming coming home from war um, with Lewis, with Billy, and with Curtis, and they each have their own story. And I like how many different viewpoints they had, so that you it it didn't feel like Frank was representing. Um, a, a faceless group of individuals. It, he felt like he was just one with his very own story. And so they, they managed to tie all of these others in. Um, and I, and I like how they started the show with a, what are those groups called? Oh, support groups. The, yeah. Yep. Yep. I knew I was going to say that at least one point in the show, something <laughs> along the lines. So the, I like how they started the show with a support group and they also end the show with a support group um, because at the beginning, Frank's not even brave enough to go in the room. I mean, granted, he's supposed to be dead. There is that. But he also just listens in on Lewis's support group or not Lewis's, Curtis's Curtis. support group. And then by the end of the show, to show how much he's grown as a as a person and how much he's overcome and the fact that now everybody understands he's alive, (laughs) (laughs) he he's in the room and he is willing to speak at the support group. And so I like that circular um, storytelling arc that they got. Patricia, did any of these other soldiers stories surprise you? Out of all of the other vets who was who were featured on the show, um, whose story do you get more the most most drawn into? So the older gentleman that was ranting and raving about um, you know gun rights and things, and then later in the show you find out that he didn't even actually serve in the place mm-hmm. that he said that he served. That was eye opening to me as just like a real person like there's got like they gave an example in this TV show there's got to be people out there like that that are using using war and using the idea of being a vet as a crutch to be able to get sympathy for their viewpoints on gun laws and you know this country has left me behind and blah 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 and I'm being lost in the in the millions and things like that. Like if it made me sick to even think about people using PTSD as a crutch to get sympathy from other people or to get attention or feel a part of a group. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. The the other story, um, Lewis's story, I think is his name, Lewis, the young kid. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I actually know people that go through things like that every day. You know, they deal with PTSD similar to that. And it's really hard. It's one of those things when people show those sort of stories and talk about things like that, that. This kid is, you know, pretty young He's got a whole life ahead of him, and he is completely destroyed as a regular human being because all he knows is military. Right. It's all he knows. 
And so seeing his story play out so violently and so psychotically where his mind is just broken because it is, it has been beaten into him. I think he says at one point it was drilled into him so hard. He heard the, he heard the chants and the voices in his sleep. It's like that whole storyline was so real to me, like a Mm -hmm. real world situation to me that it was, it was great. And that kid who plays that, if he doesn't have real PTSD, I am absolutely shocked that he can play that character so well. He did such a good job. So, there's my pieces on those guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Will, what about you? Um, did any of those other characters stand out to you? I think yeah, Lewis and also Curtis. Um, yeah. Uh, really are two that that stood out to me. Uh, I think for Lewis, uh, for the reasons that Patricia just really eloquently like stated, and um, you know, and as far as Curtis, um, he, um, you know, leading this the group, and um, I just yeah, I just yeah, I, I thought those were some really good, strong supporting characters um, that you know really fleshed out this uh, out this universe but also David too I mean as far as micro and you know his own journey um, and, and uh, working with Frank and just how to sort of how they started out and, um, and then what was the other character's name that uh, they went to the woods to find uh, the cabin to find um, Frank saw him briefly uh-huh. Uh, what was his name? Don't know. Gunner. <laughs> Gunner. Gunner. Yes. Gunner. Gunner yeah. yeah. Gunner. I'm so Gunner. great at the name yes. game Gunner. tonight. Yeah. Yes. Yep. You, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I I wish Gunner had been around a little bit longer because um, just to see how he you know he completely retreated from society. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wish they could have explored that one a little bit more, but obviously he he met his demise pretty quickly in that episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Speaking about Micro, he, 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 um, he brought on top of his family and on top of everything we've already talked about him. He also allows a, another story to creep into um this this show as he brings along that go- governmental conspiracy element. And I remember about a quarter of the way through turning my dad and being like, Oh, suddenly I feel like we're watching the wire with how they were able to every episode, just add in a new layer to this conspiracy and to people looking at it. Because in one episode, you're focused on the Donnie and her partnerships and her vendetta to understand what happened at Kandahar. And then you're also introduced to Billy and, um, and also he goes through his own separate arc. And then on top of that, you have Karen, who's, again, looking at it through the perspective of a journal. So you have a lot of different layers into this story and people viewing it. And it reminded me so much of the storytelling that occurred on The Wire, except um, a lot, a lot smaller perspective, I guess you would say. Don't know. 
Um, Patricia, what did you think about Madani and um, her partner Stein or Sam? I know his last name is Stein. That's why I'm going to go with Stein. I don't know. Stein. Stein is fine. I like I like that they were on a first name basis. Um, so we'll go with that. Um, at first, because it was a slow starting show and they were trying to set everything up, at first I didn't like her character. I was like, who is this lady? What does she have to do with Frank? Can we just get back to the Punisher? And where the hell is Karen? Like, I was trying to figure it out. So at the beginning, I was like, okay, who is this? But as the show went on, I liked her more and more and more. And I love her character as a strong woman. And her interactions with other people, like not taking anybody's crap and, you know, being where she's at, she's one of the stronger female characters, which I think Marvel does a really good job, especially Netflix. They have a really good portrayal of a strong woman character. And the best example I can give you is at the end of the show when she has that confrontation with, and I can't remember this character's name, but it's the woman that was working with her friend that was higher up that ended up. Um, I know who you're referring to. I'll... Yeah. No, that lady. Um, her little kerfuffle and how she just like told the lady how it is and what it's going to be like. And then Madani left the room and the, the, the older woman just turned around. She was like, she said something about her having spirit or having gumption or something like that. And she was like, I think I like her. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, that's exactly what you need in the world sometimes is to have that gumption to stand up for yourself. And as for, and, and Madani's evolution throughout the show was beautifully done being a fresh character that interacts with Frank and his storyline and how he's connected to Kandahar and all that kind of stuff and her relationship with Russo. I loved it all. And um, her and her partnership with Stein was so delicately so delicately done but in a very eloquent way where it just it worked their chemistry on on screen as partners was so great and I love that they worked together to work on the bug in the office and they set up that whole like fake fake rendezvous thing and lead on Frank and the fact that he died like, I was shocked, but as soon as he came around the corner and I knew it was Russo, I knew he was going to die. I was like, he's going to die, and I know it, and it's going to make me sad. And so I was very sad when his character got killed off, for sure. Because he was he was sort of like the light, he was almost like the foggy yeah. to the show. <laughs> he was sort of like, he, he replaced foggy for the show, you know? And... So I, I really enjoyed him, and yeah, he, 
Foggy. Yeah. Foggy. Sorry. Yeah. I, I totally, yeah, you, you're, 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 all, you're spot on with the foggy. I, I felt the same thing, actually, um, with him. I didn't, I, so I didn't actually think that about, about Sam. Um, I, I recall at one point thinking he was actually a mole and he was in on the conspiracy. Um, but it's, I turned out he served a different purpose. And I think um, about Madani is that I would also disagree that I don't think that I felt like she was written more along the lines of the stereotypical strong female um, cop that I've seen before. I've seen time and time before. And really when her character started to appeal to me was when Sam did die and when she screwed up and she is in that bathtub and she is very vulnerable and she's broken. And I thought from that point forward, she turned out to be a really good character. And I really appreciated, appreciated her a lot more at that point. Um, because I start to see how how this affects her and how before we're told a story about Kandahar and her connection to the individual who ended up being tortured and then died um, in that event at Frank's hands. But for some reason, I wasn't connected to that motivation. I, I didn't have a connection to the individual who died. But then Stein died. And I had a connection to him. I had a connection to how these two were building this partnership. And the fact that it was Billy and the fact that Stein found that out but could not tell her, that's when I felt like they everything served its purpose. And I understood why this was important and why they did all of that setup. Um, but so that was a real turning to um, point for me so speaking of billy billy the kid i love that patricia i could not believe that they did that towards the end where they brought up the story of billy the kid and they basically compared it to frank and bill billy and i thought that was beautiful and very unexpected i will argue though that they should have incorporated some of those flashbacks to really strengthen the viewer's understanding about who Billy is to Frank. They, they spent, the writers focused so much on, on covering that betrayal that I did not think that they pulled it off as, as much as they could have. Um, maybe it's also because I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. But at the same time, I mean, Patricia, did you know that that was um, it? That's how far the betrayal went. Or what are your thoughts about that? So. My thoughts on the betrayal in general. I. I like until the episode where we see Russo with his mom and we see that whole different side of him. I was on Russo's side basically until we see him. Can't remember if that was before or after the raid where he killed Stein, where we see 
his mom. I think it was after. before. Close before. Okay. After. Maybe it was the same episode. I don't know. I didn't watch the show. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I watched more than one then. Either, <laughs> um, either way, I thoroughly enjoyed how they waited to to really expose him and all of his quirks or demons or whatever you want to call them, his battles with his childhood. And I think it was that same episode. Um, Cause he say now I'm getting all emotional. I can't get my words out. Um, wow. So, you were really connected to Billy. It's just like you, you love to hate his character, hmm. even at the beginning. Like his haircut is too perfect. He has too good a life when he comes back from the war. Like why isn't he all tore up about PS, PTSD? Why isn't he thrown into that same group? But uh-huh. he's he's dealing with PTSD in his own way where he's created his own type of war game on the home soil. And that's what you see. His anvil company, he is more concerned with making money and being successful and being pretty. And I love that they did those sort of noir shots of him getting ready for work putting the grease in his hair and buttoning up his fancy shirt for his fancy shoot suit. And <laughs> is that your pot um, in the background? Yes. yes. See, she's all worked up about it too. Um, <laughs> and I, the flashbacks that we get to see with him and Bruce with Frank and so where he pulls Frank off of, whatever it is. Rollins. Rollins. Yeah. The guy Rollins. that's half blind. Rollins. <laughs> Rollins. Uh, the one name Rollins. I know, she's going to dismiss it and like, <laughs> whatever, whatever. So, so, okay. So this okay. is good. So I, I am, um, I'm glad to hear that you really grew attached to Billy. And um, so, so then I take it that the overall betrayal um, that occurred and gets fleshed out. Um, did you, did that impact you? Um, and what, what I mean when I say impact is I'm asking if that like emotionally was a gut punch. You know, it didn't affect me at all, Sarah. I don't know what you're talking about. No, of course <laughs> it was a gut punch. I don't appreciate the sarcasm. <laughs> and do no. not say of course no. because it did not gut punch me, but I'm glad it worked for you. <laughs> <laughs> No, it it gut punched me pretty good because I was because I'm in the Daredevil series. I was so invested and I wanted to know more about Frank Castle's character anyways mm-hmm. and learning all about Frank in the first half of this of this series and figuring out that they were buddies at camp and they were working as team leaders for their special ops thing. It was it was almost like Frank had this green brother that he could possibly go back to. Like he was like, Yeah, let's get you out of the city. I was like, Yeah, Frank, let's figure this out and then it turn he turns around and gets in the car with the bad guy and you're like with Rollins. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um and you're like, What? 
<laughs> What's happening to my life? I thought Frank had another friend, but he really doesn't. So Frank can only have one one friend at a time. Let's just be serious about it. <laughs> so He's only true. allowed one. Um <laughs> so so I guess what made me kind of um it didn't work as it didn't hit me in the gut i wanted it to but it didn't um it fell flat for me and part of that was because i already read some background information about billy russo and so i'm i watched this series through the lens of somebody who in the back of my mind i'm just like i want to I know he's going to betray him. I know that at the end he's going to have his face all screwed up and we're going to get jigsaw down the line and that there's a clear there's clear motivations from the book for from the books for why they are incorporating his character and why he's so important. Um and so I and on top of that before you were talking about I think another reason why it didn't work for me is because if if Frank and Billy were as close as they wanted us to think that they were, why was Lewis the first person that Frank reached out to? And so that hinted to me that even though they were, that's his brother, and they were very tight, Frank knew not to trust him. Frank knew that you don't go to Billy when you're a fugitive. You go to Curtis. You go to Curtis for help. And not Billy. Um, uh, but I will say that the one point where I started to understand more of what they were trying to get at is when he, when Frank talks about how he has two families. He has his home family and he has his family um, overseas. And I thought that really hit me. We're not only talking about the betrayal of two brothers, um, two brothers in arms, but we're talking about Frank's own internal demons of betraying his family every time he chose to go back. Because every time he chose not to be at home, he chose his other family. And that's heartbreaking. And that, to me, um, brought things, to, took things to a whole new level that I didn't think that this show would have been able to do. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're so right with the double family thing. I, I'm, I'm something else. The show was was good, okay. I um like I said before, pacing wise, it started off slow, and then episodes six through ten were 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 great, and I watched them back to back to back to back. Um, and then the three episodes kind of um kind of dropped for me, but I I I still. I really wanted to say this point. I'm trying to figure out the right way to say it is that to me, the show as a whole would have been stronger had Billy died. I do not think it was in character for Frank to let Billy go. That made no sense to me. And the only reason why they did that is because in the books, that's what happens. And that bothers me when I understand the need to bring these stories to life. But if the show, if the story takes a different route, um, I don't think you have to follow everything beat by beat by beat. Um, That was very forced to me at the end. And it still pisses me off because I think it would have been more authentic had Frank killed Billy at the carousel. 
I I both agree with you and disagree with you because I feel like there was so much betrayal between Frank and Russo. And because I understand why they didn't kill him. Because mm-hmm. they wanted to throw the point, like drive the point home that Russo was very vain and cared about his appearance and being pretty. And once and and once Frank realized that that meant more to him than Frank or his kids or his wife or you know common decency sort of values, he destroyed the one thing that Russo had going for him, his face. And and you know honestly. So I understand why they didn't kill him because Frank was really get would have to live ugly with a beat up face. So I get it. So so let's get into some more of these relationships because we have a as much gore and as much violence as there was. There was a lot of sex and a lot of hooking up going on. Um. Will, what did you think about Madani and Russo's relationship? Um, it was pretty hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> did not expect that reaction. Thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. How can I well, maybe be more articulate here? Just saying, that was pretty hot. Uh, <laughs> I love that response, though. That was really funny. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. Uh, it was, you know, the, the great thing about the Netflix show, they're grown-up shows, and so it was, their relationship was a grown-up relationship, and a very modern relationship, um, and very complex in some ways, um, even with, even with the, just the sheer, this, you know, seductive, sensual aspects of it, um, so, at least from what I've seen up to what I've watched as far as of Punisher, I think the the most sincere and the most uh, they, uh, reveal of their of their relationship was the scene after Stan was was killed, mm-hmm. um, and, and but also very the, the most chilling part of it as well, given that it was Billy who did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it just really—it was just so complex and so um, uh, just chilling about how cold this that you know Russo really really is, and the whole sleeping with the enemy uh, really uh, was uh, manifested right here in this in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's you a know, full meaning to catfishing. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to make that joke? Oh my god! And be honest. Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a premeditated, premeditated joke. I I, oh, I she, call Will out, out when last. he gives those kind of jokes. Yeah, she called me out big time last week. <laughs> Don't feel bad. It's I, you know I, I'm just like okay, all right. I'm just waiting for the right moment to do, get her back. <laughs> what did you think about Madani and and Russo's? relationship no okay so 
here here's where I'm struggling right now um, because I never thought about how you articulated each relationship that occurs on the show on our rundown. And I think that these are all really interesting points to have, um, Patricia, because you you wrote next to Madani and Russo that they are a modern relationship. And that was supported by everything Will just said. On top of that, you have, okay. And then on top of that, you have Frank and Marie who represent old values, traditional values. Granted, we got to hear about how they fell in love and that, and also why they got married. And that doesn't sound very traditional, if you know what I'm saying. Baby out of wedlock, just saying. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but still, the, the, um, their love and that, that push and pull is rooted in more old values. And then you have David and Sarah, which the American dream, this is the, the couple with the two kids, a boy and a girl, the white picket fence. They have, they split Thanksgiving dinner duties together and they're the all American family. And then you have Frank, Pete and Sarah, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well Frank and Pete is in quotations <laughs> okay okay because they referred to him as Pete I yeah. forgot about that and yeah. that kiss and and that was a kiss out of grief yeah. and just um for and this is going to sound really weird because my name is also Sarah but and how she was finally met someone who identifies with her and the struggle that she's going through. And if I was her, if I was Sarah, which I kind of am, but I'm kind (laughs) of not, I would have kissed him probably the first time I met him. I'm just saying there's something about John Berthal. I don't know. Which, you know, John Berthal, like, should always have long hair and a beard. Like, those first few episodes, damn, 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 damn. (laughs) Anyway, I'm like completely opposite. He should keep his hair short. No, no, I don't. I don't go for that. I don't go for that look like to him and Stephen Namel. I I don't I don't like that look. I like the longer hair, like not the Ollie hair. But yeah, anyway, we're side. Patricia, I'm trying to stay on course. I finally righted the ship. Stop it. Because we got to get into our favorite relationship on the show. We got to get into Frank and Karen because now you indicated old values in a new world. I don't really know what that means. I'm going to say that the beauty about this relationship is that it's unspoken and they, they have a connection. They have a pull towards one another that is just instinct and um and it's natural and there's there's something about how they they have yet to really speak about what it is between them they have yet to act on it that is so pure um that i really love and damn that elevator scene oh my oh. god it i've i've rewatched it now probably 5 or 10 times and every time there they're they're so silent in that moment and in that are you okay i'm okay without saying that and then you see all of the options go through karen's mind because he has to leave 
There's no if and but about it. He has to get out of there and leave her behind. And she just looks at him and you can see it in their eyes. Like, I want to kiss you, but I'm not going to. But just know that I am wanting to. And and then he says, take care. And then he leaves and and. We don't see her again, which is another thing that kills me, Patricia. We do not see Karen again. I know. That. <laughs> Karen and Frank, what I meant by that was they don't have a typical modern relationship, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have the Tinder, let's have sex, let's we know what this is it's just casual or yeah this is a thing they have no idea and it's sort of and because it's been ongoing like since the daredevil series where they sort of had their little moments and their special connection even then i felt like there was something like when frank goes to karen and they're sitting in the diner they have great chemistry they've always had great chemistry on screen And I love their story and the fact that they don't have to say anything. I feel like that is that that is an old school thing where in a modern world for relationships, everybody wants to talk about everything. Everybody needs to know the relationship status, you know, on Facebook or on Twitter or, you know, selfies with the boyfriend or whatever, where Karen and Frank their understanding of each other goes beyond words and they know for a fact what each other is about without saying a word and they don't have to they don't have to say anything and it's Karen is so grateful to have Frank in her corner because he's always protected her and then at the same time when Frank was going through his um court and stuff in daredevil karen fully had his back so it's sort of like i almost equate it to his relationship with a guy you know in his quadrant of being overseas there's that level of respect for each other where they know that they are both good people and they both have each other's backs and it's gonna be there no matter what they would do anything for each other and you see that entire, like everything I just explained in that like 10 second scene in the in the elevator, all flash before their eyes, and then they don't do anything about it. And it's it's like I'm both disappointed that nothing happened, but at the same time I am so happy that nothing happened because it leaves that allure of what if and when is it actually going to happen. Because when it does, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and well, they better do it right. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's still up to debate. And that's what I find so fascinating about this dynamic is that um, it truly, I think, comes from the actor's chemistry with one another. Um, from what I understand, she wasn't even going to be in the series as much as she is in the series. And then they just felt like it was um, the right choice to bring her back for a few extra episodes. And and I think it's interesting because throughout this show, you're shown 
fully illustrated the love and the passion that Frank had um, had and still holds on to for his wife and how how that is still present in him and the reason why he continues to fight and push back as much as he wants to go home to her, sort of sweet peak. I mean, you had that moment, those moments in um, his final standoff with Rollins is that every time for every punch, he was flashed back to her and to being with her. And at which I have another point about that, that I'll, I'm going to stay on my point about Karen and Frank for a moment in the early on episodes where it feels as if Karen wants to say something, but she doesn't know how to say it. Um, and that there is this burden and just, just how he reaches out to her. And there's that, that night scene where she's clearly worried and really distraught over him going after this individual who's after him because it feels like she's going through her own grief. Um, so I, I want to say that it is after. Um, but regardless, even when we saw their chemistry in Daredevil season two, it was that scene at the diner that Patricia mentions is an iconic scene. But he Frank is explaining to her what love is because he sees that she's in love with Matt. Mm-hmm. So, again, you... It's it's really interesting how they have such a good chemistry and they're on the same page about so many things, but they're also on the same page about, well, you're dealing with this relationship and you're still getting over your love for your wife, so I I don't know if I can move forward or not with you. And also, Karen is supposed to die at some point. If I believe anything Everett ever tells me, she's supposed to die. (laughs) Whether or not Karen and Frank become an actual thing or share a kiss, I think the the way that they've presented their relationship is a beautiful nod to the unspoken understanding of the real-world relationships that people may sometimes deal with. You know... The timing isn't right. You're dealing with your your grief. I'm dealing with this issue, and it just never seems to connect, and you're always missing each other. And that whole concept and the fact, like, even knowing the fact that she's supposed to die, whether Netflix does kill her off or not, knowing that there's a potential for, like, you know that, you know, with Marvel and their dramatics and, you know, whatever, it'll be right after, if Frank and Karen become a thing, Karen will die right after she either decides to be with Frank or decides to be with Murdoch. And they'll make it real dramatic. And then both men will be mad at each other and then they'll fight about it. And yeah, so that's my sort of like half prediction, half hopefully they don't do that. Um, the fact that we have this insider sort of feeling that, yeah, she's probably going to die in the future. The fact that they're not doing anything now because they don't know if they can or whatever the reasoning is, it makes it more beautiful. The fact that 
if she dies in the next episode of The Punisher or whatever, however the timeline works out, we'll never know what would have happened if they'd ever gotten together. Yeah, well, the, to get to the point of um, Carrot, Sarah Yarker, ever it is correct, uh, Bullseye does kill Karen, and who is one of Daredevil's uh, adversaries. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it happened a very long time ago, at least in the comic. Memento Mori. And what does it mean? What? Remember that you have to die. Yep. Okay, this is the title of the last episode, and they bring it up in the series, I believe, prior to the last episode. Um, and I love that. I love that little touch. And this brings me to my final point, is that um, watching this show towards the end... It's gladiator, guys. It is so gladiator. (laughs) (laughs) It is so much. Because, um, and I even pointed that out to my dad, and he's like, oh, crap, it is. Yeah, you're right. Um, Because it is is classic, um, that that story that we were told in Gladiator. um, The only difference is, instead of Russell Crowe's character approaching the door, um, and that image being um, brought up time and time again to where they're not referencing his family. They're just referencing the visual image of him finally making it back home and then being on the other side of it, um, which has all of its double meanings. You're, you're shown Frank's wife um, in bed out of bed, their first dance, um, all of this romance and all of this, um, this beauty in their relationship. And at one point he is pretty much about to let go and come home to her. And then there, um, he gets another second chance and he ends up walking away from her, which in its own right has its own beauty and double meetings, but I just couldn't get that out of my mind when I was watching the last few episodes of this show because, um, to me, Gladiator is such an iconic film. Um, I still like The Punisher. I'm not saying anything bad about it, but that image just kept going into my mind um, and that thought process, which the story is relatively the same, and maybe that's why we we respond so much to it because it does, does go back to those those idea, those classic um, Shakespearean ideal ideals about storytelling. What did you think, Patricia? I haven't seen Gladiator in years, so I'm not, I'm not really getting the connection because I can't remember um, really what you're talking about with Gladiator, and I feel like a terrible nerd. But either way, I thought the imagery of him and you know, it's one of those PTSD things that he's been battling for a extremely long time. And it's a beautiful nod to, you know, his business is done. He did what he set out to do. He's ready to die. If it decides to take him, he's ready to go. And as soon as he lets go, he doesn't give up. He sticks around because he knows that there's other people out there counting on him. Micro, Madani, Karen. You know, I know there isn't a whole lot left at that moment when he finally lets go of Maria. 
in his, you know, little flashback. But he did what he set out to do. He killed the bad guy. He didn't get Russo, but he killed the guy who pulled the trigger on the mission to kill his family. And everybody else in his wake. Very bloodily. So, right. I mean, it's... And one thing that I did notice that I thought was kind of cheesy that they did was when uh, Rollins and Frank are laying next to each other. Rollins is dead at the... or dying almost, and he's bleeding out. In the blood, you see the reflection of Maria. I don't know if you noticed that. They actually put a reflection of Maria in the blood as it's ble- as he's bleeding out. Hmm. And I just thought that was... I'll have to look for that. I mean, yeah, they, they made their point with Frank's, like, in his head, letting go of Maria, but then they took that extra step to put her reflection in the blood of his most top-list enemy as he's bleeding out on the floor next to him. And I just thought that was... A, li- a little cheesy. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. Will, any final thoughts? Um, no final... Well, this main final thought is, uh, I, you know, we'll finish the series uh, just because, you know, I've invested the time to get to this point, and I, and I do want to see how it ends. Um, and um, I appreciate the uh, shipping effort that uh, you guys are trying to do with uh, Frank and Karen. <laughs> <laughs> trying. They did it for us. Yeah, they yeah. did that for us. Okay. You can, you can say we read a bit too much into that relationship in Daredevil season two, but you cannot say that about this series, my friend. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Just toss that out there. <laughs> there she is. She's, she's back. back. Yep. She's she back. is back. She's... Yeah. I knew. I knew what to get her eyes. How to get her eyes out of her. <laughs> you guys are mean. <laughs> is that all you wanted to say? Yeah, that's all I had to say. <laughs> okay. I've said my piece about the show before. I mean, like I said, it's it's like you and Ozark, how we discussed earlier this year. Uh, I liked it, but you know. Which I'm not sure if you like those art, but I, I just it just didn't really it didn't really resonate with me. I don't. That's I'm a little concerned now. Like maybe there's something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. You guys it, like it, all people, these like, sort of semi. You you like you, you know what? No, it's not it's not anything wrong with you, Patricia. I mean, we all we like what we like. I mean, it's some things you know. You know, for example, you 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 know, you know, you like legends. We are got you know. To me, it's one of those, like, I'll get to it. Oh, yeah, it's right. That's part of Arrow Universe. I better make sure I watch it just in case there's some, like, crossover thing there. But, you know, people like what they like. And, I mean, clearly you like Punisher, and it's it's totally fine. It's just this one just didn't really, didn't really snag me like some other shows have. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of the reason why we have three perspectives, or we try to have three perspectives as much as we can in the shows, because that increases the likelihood that we are going to disagree. I will say, though, it was very alarming when your first point was about your love for how real the violence was. <laughs> That was I was a bit scared. I was a bit scared. Um, just saying. But it's, you know, I I feel like um, our 
um, mutual appreciation for this stems from that history we have with this character and how he really brought us into this um, micro Marvel universe that they are building on in um, on Netflix. And also it goes back to those social issues. Um, Whenever a show in this genre can um, can bring to life and really illustrate a social issue that is currently going on in modern day, you have my interest. Um, It's very similar to my 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 thoughts about um, science fiction is whenever they can um, bring um, illustrate a good analogy. Suddenly, I'm very much more that much more interested in the story that they want to tell because it's multi layered. And I think that this is I think that they had pacing issues. Some of the characters fell a bit too much in type. I'm going to just put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought some of the points were a bit forced, but at the end of the day, this is, this is the Punisher and I'm, I'm pretty happy. It could have gone a lot, went a lot worse and it didn't. Um, But I am definitely looking forward to Jessica, Jessica Jones season two next year. Um, because that is my favorite of these shows so far. Um, and on that note, Patricia, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? They can find me at PRMiller20. That's P-R-M-I-L-L-E-R-2-0. And Will, where can they find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me on Twitter at SJBelmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can also find us on the CastBox Android app. And you can find us on Stitcher. Yes, you can. Right? Yep. Yeah. yeah? Yeah? Okay. I try to follow these things. I'm not doing a very good job tonight. Um, good night. Geek out. You're welcome.